Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for Boston sports. We are bringing back the guest today for you. Actually, two great guests, Bobby Manning from the Bobcast and Celtics blog, and then also Sam Sheehan, who is uh, of the Reddit board, which I know everybody reads and uh good good counterpart there with Ryan Bernadoni who had a good article on Celtics Hub will be getting uh a little bit too although Ryan promises more uh more articles and he's somebody that we're lining up in the next couple of weeks so um really excited to get to the both of these guests and John is actually going to be joining me while we have guests, which, John, sometimes that doesn't happen. We kind of segregate ourselves, but there's going to be four different voices on the show for today. It's it's almost a, it's a, a bevy of riches, a cornucopia of of oral uh, just. Oh, just watch yourself. Yeah, yeah. I got to watch yourself here. <laughs> I was gonna go somewhere and I'm like, oh, I can't use that word. Don't go there. That one's not good either. Oh shoot! Beep, beep. I'm just gonna stop and thank you, Justin, for pulling me back from that ledge. Uh, yes, it's gonna be great. <laughs> it is. It is. It's going to be it's an oral have... cornucopia. I'm never gonna let. I'm never gonna forget that one. I, this... That one's going. <laughs> that one is going in the annals of Celtic stuff. An- oh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. the show is we off the We got annals. Oh boy. You know what this is? I, I feel like just to to pull it back from the list, this is a little bit of uh, this is like an Avengers movie of CLNS Radio right now. Yeah. You know, we got Bobby, we got Sam, Justin, myself. I mean, not everybody. You know, it's Mount Rushmore. It's a, a bit. I mean, we're not going <laughs> to let's not tell Larry that he's not on Mount Rushmore <laughs> on his radio, and we won't mention it to Jared. But hey, you know. Hey, we're here. It's good. I'm ready to fight whatever. Maybe the four goofiest guys on the network, that's for sure. (laughs) There are definitely some goofballs on the show. Uh, (laughs) you're, you're right about that, Bobby. Well, let's just welcome you right in. Bobby Manning, everybody of the Bobcast did a nice, uh, interview with me several months back. And I know, Bobby, you're home for the summer. Uh, you've been at school away at Syracuse for your very first year. Now you're uh, getting a chance to, to get a little bit of a break, maybe make some cash this summer to go yeah. back to school with. But did a really nice job taking the CLNS media post or Celtics 
CLNS Celtics postgame show to task in the postseason. You really were the anchor or the voice of the postgame show. Uh, and um, unfortunately, since the last time John and I spoke to all of our listeners, uh, that postseason has ended for the yeah. Boston Celtics. Not that we didn't expect it to, John. We were kind of hoping maybe it would get to a game six. Obviously, it didn't, but... Bobby, you were really killing it on the post game show, and I guess oh, thank you. You're probably ready to start talking about some off season. Yeah, the post game show, as we call it, organized chaos. It's it's a lot of fun. It's a <laughs> lot of uh, havoc and nonsense, and just a big mixed pot of everything over there. It's it's a lot of fun though. I love doing that. I do it every night if I could. It gets it goes late into the night. You get people from all over the country. Different countries, Colin, Australia. We hear Woody in Australia all the time, so that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, and it, the postseason ran about as deep as I expected it to. I thought this was the second-best team in the East. I think they really proved themselves to be that. Um, once again, they were a squad all year long that you could really fall in love with, root for. There, weren't a, there wasn't a single unlikable guy on this roster, I thought, which is great because if Carmelo Anthony was here, That'd be a little different, but they kept everything intact. They believed in the roster they had, the cohesion they had between all these players. And to Danny Ainge's credit, I know we uh, we did a little trade deadline show where we were getting mad or I was getting mad. But he, in the end, I'll concede to Danny Ainge, he was right. Not making a move at the deadline was the right move. And it was hard to see at that point. You know, we were we were looking at, at our rivals at that point, really looking at the Raptors, looking at the Wizards, both adding – veteran uh, pieces who could absolutely add to the, the weaknesses of both cores in Washington and, and in Toronto. And Danny stands pat, didn't even add a, a big man for a late second rounder that seemingly had no value. And I think that was the one piece that, that really kind of drove us a lot of pretty mad, you know, as we got through that deadline show, but boy, who, who was proven right at the end, you know, as Danny mm-hmm. once again yeah, has and proved us whatever. all wrong. Whatever reason it was for, I mean, we'll never truly know the reason, whether it was a high price on some of these guys for them or maybe like an inside feeling that he couldn't compete with Cleveland no matter what he did, which, of course, Toronto showed in some way with the additions they made, absolutely getting bashed off the court by LeBron and company. But um, I think he saw a lot more value in keeping this group together and the kind of energy and chemistry they had together, what that meant, rather than just pulling in a marginal talent or an above-average talent, maybe for that position for a higher price than you want to pay. I think he just saw more value in keeping everything I, together and just seeing what he could do. I don't think there was – I'll tell you what, Bobby. I don't think there was any value for Danny making the trade at the deadline, specifically because he'll pretty much wait until the last minute. I mean, yeah, he always said he would trade Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce once he felt like that window had closed. But he did wait till the last minute. He didn't trade those guys in their prime. You know, Kevin, Kevin had struggled with injuries. Lateral motion was definitely starting to wane. Brooklyn was a, a perfect match for them to, to be able to spin off two veteran pieces. Obviously in Washington, Paul Pierce still had quite a bit left in the tank. But, but for the most part, I think he likes to hold his chips close to the vest until the very last minute. And had he gotten a sweet sweetheart deal at the deadline where he really felt like he was going to be on the winning end of it, he would have made it. But the truth is, is the draft pick wasn't positioned yet. Had this pick fallen to four, 
there might be a completely different attitude towards mm. how they want to move it. But now that we know it's number one, I think it could be a completely different game plan moving forward for the team anyway. Well, yeah, you had to roll the dice on Brooklyn having the good chances at that number one pick. We all knew Brooklyn was going down the tank anyway. And, you know, it, that one in four, it's it's a tricky thing, but it worked out in our favor this time. I don't know what kind of magic happened or Wick Grosbeck being the good luck charm, but those were pretty good odds to play in the lottery. And by some grace of the basketball gods, we got it. Markel Fultz, baby. Markel Fultz. And it's so amazing to me. I mean, look – Danny has not done anything to, uh, you know, to kind of tip his hand. He's he's you know, played all above board. We're going to look at everybody. We know this week he had, he told uh, 98.5 the Sports Subs Toucher and Rich, Rich show that that they have already gotten word from Levar Ball's uh, <laughs> folks, <laughs> who is really representing his son Lonzo Ball. Yeah, uh, very well. That they are not uh, going to be coming to Boston to work out. Um, which oh. is really unsurprising to me. <laughs> oh, <I'm> not, no. <laughs> you know, Dude, seriously, I, who cares? I mean, this, well, this, that's what I'm saying. This thing's yeah, been done, right? It's I'm, been done. I'm trying done, to think right. of a comparison. I'm, I, like, I'm, I'm really trying to just think of like, no, no one wants him here. No, not a single person in Boston, or very few at least, want Lonzo Ball. I mean, he's not blowing it. He has the ego of this untouchable prospect that like everyone has to have. And can I just say it? He is so LA and not Boston. That's just what it is. And, and honestly, maybe it's more his dad. Maybe it's unfair to do that to Lonzo because it's not like he's the one that's really putting on the, the showtime and the fanfare. He's going along with it, but he's a kid and it's what his family has been built around doing for a long, long time. And I did read an interesting article from a year ago where they were talking about how the Ball family really didn't even do a lot of the travel teams. They created their own uh, travel team to keep it really close and close-knit in L.A. so that the family could stay together. And the, I think they wind up wound up combining the kids on one team and having the youngest play up. Uh, for that specific reason as well, so that they could really simplify their life. In that respect, I've got to give Lamar plenty of props because he did a nice job of making it all about family and not overcomplicating it. But at the end of the day, the whole shoe thing and everything else is totally out of control. It's not a Boston mentality. And I know, John, you really weren't, and neither were I, very high, or neither was I, very high on Lonzo anyway heading into this draft. You and I were trying to find reasons to put Jason Tatum and Josh Jackson up ahead of him in our mock draft. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, and that's not to say he won't be a good player. He, he has a special ability with the ball and, and finding guys and as a passer. I mean, that, that's, he, he, he could be special in that regard, but I just didn't see his, him being the second best player in a draft with players like Josh Jackson and Jason Tatum, who I think could, you know, could also take a significant leap as wing players in this league. And he did not have that ability to score all three levels as, as we've, as we've all read and continued to read about Markel Fultz. It's just surprising to me about Fultz to go back to that. I love Fultz that, you know, we there was no question he's an number one guy. I love that. But the thing to me about Fultz that's a bit surprising is that it's, we, we're almost just 
it's just obvious. Like it's just it's just it's, so it's obvious. obvious. It's easy. It's, you it's watch silly. the video, it's easy. We need like, the shooting. We you need the shooting so bad. Yeah. You don't even have to be one of these draft guys who just comb through books and video and like pull out everything they can on these guys. You just watch one quick five minute YouTube video on this guy and you know he's a stud. Like there's no there's no holes in this game. There really aren't. Like you can pick apart little things here or there, of course, with a guy this young, and I'm sure there's going to be some bumps in the road for him. But he is so ultra talented in every aspect of the game, and on top of that, his ability to play two positions up at the guard slot there and his size it's just it's it, it couldn't have been more perfect the position they're in right now it's so easy like number two would have been kind of tricky number three would have been really tough like that would have put danny in another really tough position as as it i don't last. think so i think he probably i i think i mean yeah it would have been tough but now you're talking about wings and so when we were, we're trying to consider how they're going to make the roster work Immediately, you're looking at the same set of sort of moves, and you could sit tight a little while. If they mm-hmm. had, if they were forced into drafting another wing slash power forward, you know, the, the benefit to having Tatum would have would have been bringing some shooting and a guy who can definitely get an open look, because that's really what this club needs. But that's what makes Fultz such an easy, perfect fit. But I think if they had been at three or even four, they would have drafted another wing, and maybe that would have meant. A little bit more time to, to sort things out depending on the free agent sort of balance. And we're going to get to that in a second. But first, just a quick uh, air check, I guess, about the network or a network announcement. Make sure you're following Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live as well as you can follow me at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke. Bobby Manning at Real Bobby Manning and the entire CLNS Radio Network at CLNS Radio. Don't forget the Facebook page, facebook.com slash CLNS fans and download the CLNS Radio app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Radio in your app marketplace. The YouTube channel, finally, we're going to add this one. They did an stellar job. We saw a ton from Nick Gelso in the postseason who'd been making trips up to Boston to join the Garden Report with Jared Weiss and Jimmy Toscano and Bobby as well. YouTube channel, youtube.com slash CLNS Radio, high definition, full-length locker room interviews and the Garden Report. I'm sure in the Garden Report with Jared Weiss, and I'm sure there'll be tons of draft night coverage as there always is. So let's talk about Gordon Hayward a little bit because this is really the only guy we want. (laughs) In my opinion, as much as we've been locked into Markel Fultz and then we got the number one pick and it's such a no-brainer that that's going to happen, if there is a no-brainer of a free agent acquisition, I think we go right to, to Gordon Hayward. And that's the guy we've been talking about. Actually, not just this season, but John I started to get really, really warmed up to Gordon Hayward at the trade deadline last year. And when rumors were that they might acquire him in trade, you know, again, 18 months ago, I was pretty pumped. He, I remember you and I talking about this two years ago. When we first came, brought the show back about Gordon Hayward and would we give up the number one pick, which became Jalen Brown, and, and boy, would, it, would that have been a Sophie's choice for you, my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, the the ability to add a guy like Gordon, Gordon Hayward without giving up any assets is so big. I mean, it just it puts this team on a different level. It puts them in a, in a sphere and a different level as a franchise in the league. 
And I think it puts them legitimately in that number two spot. I think a lot of people say, well, they overachieved. They don't have a team at that caliber of Washington or Toronto. You know, they're better one through eight, but they're not as good overall. I think if you consolidate players and you turn that into Gordon Hayward without having to give up much, and we'll talk about what you do have to give up to get Gordon Hayward in a second, I think that that puts this team really in a different tier. It also puts them, the most important thing about Gordon Hayward and not giving up anything to get a guy like Gordon Hayward, the most important piece of that is this. You can hold your draft picks and you have a good team that is ready to pounce on the big star, the big star who's not available right now. I'm not saying that's Paul George. I'm not saying that's Jimmy Butler. I'm saying the next big star. We're talking the level of, you know, whether it's Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns, somebody of that elite, elite levels, when that guy becomes available, Danny still has all the pieces of the puzzle to, to get that guy to add to a team that's already going to be second in the East. You know, he's got that, that Trump move that moves him above Cleveland and when they start to falter. And, and those days will come, even if LeBron certainly didn't look like it over the last two or three weeks. Yeah, but that, whenever that day comes, that's going to be the key. Uh, you, we really have no clue how far of a window it's going to be. I mean, Kevin O'Connor kind of pushed it back as far as 2025, which is a scary thought. But um, I think that the route you got to take as a team right now, and they certainly can take this road, and it'll be good for us, the fans, too, and the media around them, is just be good every year. Be as good as you can be every single year. Don't worry about what Cleveland's doing. Don't worry about trying to push yourself above them. You just got to be as good as you can every year. And a good starting point for that's going to be Hayward. Like he just fits right in with this team's system. He's a star level talent that doesn't have a lot of baggage, which you always love to see. Um, there's some room for growth with him, which I really love to see as well. Some of these other guys out there, Blake Griffin, Paul Millsap, even some of the guys on the trade market, like we've talked a lot about Paul George and Jimmy Butler. We kind of have an idea what those guys are at this point. I mean, they're great players. George, I even think, is kind of on the back end of his greatness, which is a concern. But Hayward is still on that upward trend. I mean, he just had the best season of his career, and you can still see feasible ways in a better system where he can improve. And let's not forget that Utah offense. Not a lot of playmakers there. Not a very sound, offensively focused system in general. And he still had a great year. And I, I haven't been the biggest Hayward guy ever, but I do believe in this thing about the Celtics where if you pull in a guy here who has some level of talent... And we certainly saw this with Isaiah Thomas. I think fitting them into the system definitely helps guys take a jump of some sort. And I'm really interested to see over these next couple of years, both with the young players and some of the veteran level guys that they bring in, do we continue to see these guys take leaps and bounds in Brad Stevens' system or just in the general things around this team that they do? Like, I want to see if Hayward comes here and maybe jumps that 22 points per game up to 24 or 25. I don't think it'll happen. I don't think, think it'll it's happen. happen? Yeah, no, not not at all. And here's why. Just look at the props that LeBron gave to Brad for uh, how they adjusted or how he adjusted the team in Isaiah Thomas's absence. Those set, you know, especially with the game three win. I think look at Al Horford. Everybody is statistically disappointed, and yet everybody who really watches basketball is lauding his performance out on the floor and what he's done to be a team player. 
I think the system doesn't allow for somebody like Gordon Hayward to jump up. As a matter of fact, what we want him to come and do, and this is why we were saying we still need shooters. How many open shots did this team still continue to miss in the postseason where it would have made a difference in how that game continued to go? Not only just points on the board, but in terms of the spacing. Once they're not knocking down those shots, all of a sudden everything tightens up. They key in on Isaiah even harder. The whole point of bringing in Gordon Hayward is because they'll have a guy who will be able to knock down clutch shots, clutch shots when he's wide open, that'll take pressure off of Isaiah. I don't think he makes an even bigger leap in points. I think the goal is to spread it around. And also, if you have that much talent, you'll be able to do what Cleveland did much of this season. And I know their record isn't something that we're going to point at, but they did suffer through injuries. But the point is is that they're able to rest guys. You can give a guy a night off or significantly reduced minutes if there's more than one score. Look at the beating and the impact that wound up catching up to Isaiah in the postseason. We lost him after two games. The hit pointer, I think it was a hit pointer. I can't remember what the original injury back in March was or February. But whatever that injury was, it lingered and lingered and lingered, and that's because they couldn't live without him. He could not get proper rest. He could not have his minutes reduced. They had him to play, and especially in the, in once they were in the playoffs. So I think that's what you'd see. I don't think we'll see a jump for Hayward, and I think we'd be fine with that because I think that would be uh, it would show us that the team is playing the way Brad would want them to, with talent being acquired. I yeah, I mean, I think that I'm probably more on Bobby's side of things in this. I I do think that. A consolidation of talent will will open up. A, I mean, this isn't where sort of Bobby was going, but where I where I see it is, I think that there's going to be more shots in this Celtics offense mm-hmm. next year. Uh, the need to send out a significant piece, whether it's Crowder, whether it's Smart, whether it's uh, Bradley, to make this, that's a tough question. This Bradley deal happen? Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, you you want to take a guy like you know, let's say Bradley off the floor. You know, I mean, who's going to fill that role in the offense? And, and, and you got to feel like, you know, there's going to be a role there for whoever, whether it's, whether it's Hayward. I mean, right now you, you, you know, you end up with Bradley coming away this season with, you know, right around, well, he's, it's, I guess it's per, per 36 minutes, he's getting 15 shots a game. You know, when you, who's going to take those shots? Well, you got to figure Hayward's going to take those shots. So if he's, if Bradley's going to get 15 shots, Bradley, you got to think you're going to give five more, you know, to, to, uh, to Hayward. I think he's got a chance. I think he's got a shot to be able to, to fill that, to take that next bump in, uh, in his scoring average. Hayward is a guy. He is 70 years into his league. He's, he's added to, into this league. He's added to his scoring average every single year he's been in the league. A real Reggie Lewis type feat for those who remember Reggie's ascent as a player who went from, to, to, to really just kept getting better, kept getting better and really became a star before, before uh, sadly he was tragically taken from us. Uh, you know, I think that Hayward has a chance to build on that. Um, you know, that means Isaiah's got to take a step back, too. And I think yeah, and he welcomes that. And I think you, that's okay for the Celtics moving forward. 
you want them to fit nicely in the system too. And the, the tough, tough question that comes into this is who you give up to get him in here. Because, of course, he has that above and beyond scoring ability that you really want to throw into the offense. And we keep talking about that second scoring option around Isaiah. I still think Isaiah's here next year. I don't, I don't think the value's there if you trade him. I think it's tough to justify just there's throwing no a, way he a guy of moved. that level. Yeah, there's, I, that, there's that, really that no way. sports talk nonsense, especially after the injury. There was no way that they're going to move him because they're going to. First off, if you're going to trade him, you've got to see him return to form. And that's what, what I think the bigger question, which we discussed a little bit last week, was would they extend him? And I don't think they'll extend him at this point either. They're going to want to make sure he's healthy. Well, on the, but on but, the what, but let me throw this at you real quick. Let me throw this at you. If Markel Fultz is the guy who they draft and they start working him into the rotation and he winds up finding his way into that starting lineup and we're talking about more shots. Aren't they going to give some to, to Markel Fultz? Aren't they going to give some of those shots to Hayward? Don't you think they want to give more shots to Horford too with a more balanced offense? I don't know. I'm not sure that these all go to Hayward if they acquire him. There's a lot. There's a lot going on in this roster. There's a lot of guys you really just kind of have to move out of here right now. There's a lot going on, and that's what makes it so complicated. Like, as as rich, as stupidly um, beneficial they've been to have all these uh, assets right now, they're kind of reaching a breaking point where it's just too much. I mean, we talked about this on that last postgame show. Something's got to give. And the decision on who or what it's going to be is a tough one. I mean, you would love to ideally see something come together where you can consolidate a lot of these assets, ship them out, and see something bigger come in here. And that's where you kind of look at that Paul George, Jimmy Butler thing out there that we've been talking about for so long. But if but they, they still just... have to the trade deadline, too. Think about it. They don't really have, other than Kelly Olynyk. They don't have really hard roster decisions to make this summer. And if they don't get Hayward, then Kelly's a no-brainer and they bring him back. But if they, if they get Hayward, Kelly Olenek's a likely casualty. Then you got the Amir Johnsons, the Jonas Jerebkos, the Gerald Greens. Maybe some of those guys can come back for, for one of the exceptions. But outside of that, they still really don't have to make any said moves until next trade deadline. They can really sit back and say, all right, let's see some of Markel Fultz. Let's see how Isaiah comes back from injury. I mean, sure, the other teams, if we were going to make a deal, you would think you would, if you're going to get a Butler or um, a Paul George, yeah, you want to make the trade sooner than later so you get the most out of their contracts before they expire. But the truth is, is the club does should not feel a sense of urgency to make a trade quite yet. Not quite they, yet. No. Well, I, 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 no, I, I, I think they do actually. I think the issue is it's creating enough cap space to be able to sign Hayward initially. Mm-hmm. And we I don't think you know. fall just short. I mean, the cap will make yeah. your head spin. And that's where right. our, our buddy Sheehan's going to make some sense for us in a little bit. But, um, absolutely. Yeah. It's, think- it's, it's tough to navigate, but I do think they just fall a little bit short on the um, amount of cap space they need to bring Hayward in here. And when you have that guard conundrum that they do right now, I mean, they're going to be looking at six guards vying for space total next year, if you even include Demetrius Jackson in that conversation. And they could just let him fly as well. He's another guy at the bottom of the roster that isn't necessarily important right now, but... um there's just so much going on here, and you got to wonder if maybe they say we want to consolidate this thing ahead of time. Uh, yeah, I, I do too. I mean, I think 
I'm, I'm kind of especially see it. with the rookies. Look at last year. I yeah. mean, we loved everything Jalen Brown showed us, but didn't he feel just a little bit buried? Like he felt buried behind Crowder, behind Gerald Green, and certainly it all worked. I'm sure he had a very beneficial rookie year with how they reeled him in after every mistake he made. I don't know, dude. But I don't I think he was feel- buried at all. I think as soon as Avery Bradley got. You know, free, I mean, as soon as Avery Bradley got injured, he was called into action. I think that's kind of how this roster was. He's a rookie. You still got to earn your way out there. It'll be different with Fultz because he's a shot maker. But John, what do you think about why? Finish your thought on why you think they need to make a deal now. Well, I think again, as, as Bobby said, Sam will go into the, of this a bit, but Ryan's, Ryan Bernardoni's post on Celtics Hub really helps to explain it well and, about halfway down into it, he really lays out the different options that's out there. And basically where we stand right now is if if you take everything as is and basically with faults, at the bare minimum to get to thirty million, thirty point seven million, you have to you have to trade away Rosier, right? And you have to get nothing back and for it, and you have to stash Yavaselli. I mean there's there's a there's as as Bobby said, there's so many different moving pieces here. But to and it seems like Yabaselli, if he wants to come here, the Celtics basically have to take him or they lose his rights. So something else has to happen. There has to be some sort of move that kind of offsets Yabaselli coming in, Zizic coming in. Um, you know, but to then create the space, you need for you know basically a few million dollars. And what we don't know is where the cap number is. That's the big unknown at this point. Teams have a mm-hmm. sense, but they won't know for sure until July exactly what that number is. And so the issue is, is that, you know, it's a couple million dollars one way or the other. If it's a little well, bit higher, yeah, but- we're in a good position. If we're, if it's where they think it's going to be, there could be some harder choices up to and including the, the issue of Bradley, Crowder, or Smart and needing to move one of those guys to hold most of what's left of the good parts of your bench in place so that way you can sign Hayward and have long-term rookie contracts that are cap they're cost controlled so you aren't going to run into some tax issues down the ra- down the line which is a very real possibility if you have you know an extended IT an ext- you know a, a big contract for Hayward and a big contract for Al Horford yeah i guess so my th- point there's some is, issues there yeah but not all those decisions need to be made now and we've only got about a minute left before we head off to the break bobby thanks for coming on the show i wanted to give you kind of like the the closing say i suppose for the first segment <laughs> of the show and uh you know hammer out your your final thoughts on kind of that that delicate balance there and around the timing of of the cap and and yeah it is really complicated but what's your what's your sense before we head to break um my sense of it is that they're going to get Hayward in here i think there's just so many like whispers and momentum you remember the whole Al Horford thing last year it feels a lot like that where there's just so much momentum behind it so much talk so many whispers behind the scenes sources sources sneaking around all that stuff like I think it's gonna happen wait hold on is Kevin Durant's name coming back up (laughs) (laughs) that was fun as disappointing as that was you gotta admit that was fun just to be part of that that was a lot of fun as Celtics fans like being being that close to getting quite possibly the best player in the league was something else but you know Hayward some good consolation for a great season I definitely think it makes them a better team overall and the team's biggest issue that they need 
need to address as they try to fight to become that true contender in the East right now, and Matt Moore mentioned this online a little bit, is when they get open shots, they have to hit them. I mean, we've seen again and again over these past two years where they've run into big, high-leverage situations. They get a little antsy, and even though they're getting great looks, even though the offense is working like it should, they're missing easy shots, and that's the Kelly Olynyk problem. That's why I'm not that sad to see Kelly Olynyk go, because he was the chief of times, it's up the Jay Crowder problem. Fraud. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's Jay, not, Crowder, Jay Crowder definitely missed some uh, wide-open shots. Yep. And I think a guy like Gordon Hayward helps a lot in that department because he's just a shot maker. I mean, you see it with Isaiah, too. Like, these guys are born to hit shots. They need more guys like that in here, and this is a great start if that's the direction they're heading in. Yeah, hopefully Fultz will add to that, and we'll have a lot of different options. Maybe there'll be, like, a defensive sort of front with the Marcus Smarts and the Jay Crowders, depending on how the trades break down and the Avery Bradleys. And then there's this offensive force with, you know, Thomas and Hayward and uh, Fultz. We never know how that's going to go down. But a lot of it is confidence, Bobby. You have a ton of it for somebody who just <laughs> completed this freshman year. And uh, we love having you on the CLNS Media Network. You did an awesome job with the post-game shows. Did just came in with just power enthusiasm to help us kick off off-season talk here on Celtic Stuff Live. Thanks for coming on. Oh, it's always a good time. You need me to make an open shot, I'll always do it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Knocking them down. It. Bobby Manning, no doubt. All right, well, real quick, it is still the playoffs, although we are down to the finals, and having the right players on the court will be the key to the success. And, boy, I'm not even sure who I'm rooting for. But that sharp outside shooter or power rebounder can be the difference between winning and losing, and business isn't any different. Your company needs the right people to be the best. So where do you go to find top talent? You can't find the best candidates by posting your job on just one site. You need to post them on all the top job sites, and now you can with ZipRecruiter. At ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to over 100 job sites, and that's just with one click because their powerful, efficient technology matches you with the right people to your position that's posted. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike the other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in less than 24 hours. No juggling emails or calls to your office. You can simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. So find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes nationwide. And right now, here's the benefit of being a listener of Celtic Stuff Live. You can start forming your own winning team on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. That will allow you to post your first job for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. Try it for free today. One more time, ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. All right, John. So Bobby was a fantastic guest in the first half of the show. Now we have Sam Sheehan, and he is of the Scorching Shamrocks podcast here on CLNS Media Network, as well as a good representative from the Reddit board. Basically makes that world go round. And Sam's going to talk to us about the cap 
which we just got into with Bobby, but not real deep, and that's why Sam's such a perfect match for the second half of the show. We couldn't have script, we didn't script it because we don't script anything on this show, but we couldn't have scripted it better. Like they can't tell, right? Like they can't, right? That's funny. <laughs> Hold on, you get you guys are going off book here. What, what page are we on? Oh, you said not. Yeah, right. It's not scripted. It's not scripted at all. Keep up, kid. All right, oh, go ahead. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Dude, the, the right, kids well, are all I, right. I, I appreciate this. Get, really is. Pre- uh, hold on, real quick. I'll bring it in. I'll give you like a big, <laughs> glorious introduction too. But, but I will say this: it is the kids are us version of the show because it's like John and I are these old men with back problems, you know, and we're we're getting close to taking blood pressure and cholesterol medication. And then we've got you and Bobby on, and John is always joking with you on Twitter. <laughs> About oh is that how the, what is that what the kids say I you know these days am I am I am I where I need to be with this and, and Sam you always you always have John's back so it's awesome to to have you on the show not only for your capology but also just for your understanding of I guess the millennial generation which you know John and I are we're we're Xers I believe right. well I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad you guys had uh, Bobby on ahead of this, um, you know, because Bobby's actually cool and we can get like a nice <laughs> taste of what it's like to have like these these uh, like guys who are almost 30 like me posing as children and how like uncool we are. So I'm, I'm happy to I'm happy to sort of be here to bridge the gap um, between actual adults like you guys and uh, young, cool kids like Bobby and just be in that perfect little valley. But I, uh, I I appreciate you guys having me on. It's great to have you on, Sam. And, you know, you and I have been talking a lot. We're going to get right into it. People are – people really – I think people – when people turn into podcasts, you know, they look for a lot of things. They look for, like, entertainment quality, good hosts, great guests, you know, check, check, check. And then the fourth thing they look for is, like, a detailed and uh, really laborious uh, look at the cap situation and the collective mm-hmm. bargaining agreement signed between the NBA Players Association and the uh, the owners of the NBA franchises. So I'm sure mm-hmm. people are looking forward to the next 20 minutes. But, but <laughs> <laughs> when you get past I remember that, that in Serial. That was what Serial was about, right? Like, right exactly. Uh, Sarah Koenig did, like, uh, that a giant cap detailed thing about yes. – what Adnan, um, what his cap hold was? That's what, that's what I, I think. Heard. That's what it was. I think that was, was it. <laughs> We're gonna get to the room exception next. So uh, <laughs> we got into that with, with uh, Jam Packard. Um, mm-hmm. So we were just talking with Bobby, and we it was really a nice kind of segue into this conversation because you and I have been talking a lot about this. I'm trying to figure out what you know, and and, and certainly. Uh, your good friend from the Reddit board, Ryan Bernardoni, wrote quite a bit about it. You've worked up a lot of numbers about it. Um, basically, what we were talking about just as, as with, with uh, Bobby just before we came on was that this is this is a pivotal summer for the Celtics and that there are some important decisions that have to be made by the Celtics um, about not just creating cap space and the people you know that need to go away. But there may be some people who are near and dearer to your hearts as people who've watched this team over the last few years that may need to be traded away to create that space for uh, for Gordon Hayward to come in. And what if you could just kind of set this table for that and, and why why that's the case as easily okay. as you can. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So basically more or less um, you've got um, a whole series of guys, um, you know, that are, that are going out. 
Um, you know, the, those guys that are going out, um, Gerald Green, James Young, Amir Johnson, Jonas Jerebko, and um, Tyler Zeller, who, although he's not a free agent, is almost definitely going to be waived um, ahead of uh, June 30th to uh, make room, um, you know, to get his $8 million off the books to keep um, Gordon Hayward in check. So really what the Celtics, uh, the, the moving parts the Celtics are kind of looking at right now are Kelly Olynyk and his restricted free agency um, and, you know, the rest of the roster. And um, if you renounce the rights to Kelly Olynyk because he has a, he has a, a pretty sizable cap hold, I think it's about $9.2 million, um, on the books, that um, if you renounce that, the Celtics are still about Four million dollars short of the cap space they would need for on a on a one hundred and one million dollar cap. Now that might move around a little bit um, because they, they what needs to happen is the season needs to wrap up. They need to total you know all the money that the league made and then decide on what the new salary cap is and write that in. It's probably going to be around one hundred and one million. If you use that one hundred and one million dollar estimate, the Celtics are about four million dollars short of uh, that maximum cap space they would need for, like, Gordon Hayward, Blake Griffin, those guys. Um, so they need to make some decisions. Um, there are a couple different ways for them to get to that. Um, you know, there's uh, they can get rid of uh, – they could, like, trade Terry Rozier. Um, they would need – well, w- the first option is getting, uh, like, a collection of young guys, making the room with the young guys. So that would mean, like, maybe trading Terry Rozier um, in addition to, like, waving Jordan Mickey and um, – Demetrius Jackson, or and uh, or you know also maybe getting Gershon Yabusele to stay out for um, an extra year, or maybe even Ante Zizic for an extra year. Probably not him, but you know, though I'm just going over those options. Um, the second option would be to you know trade Marcus Smart. Um, the third option would be to trade Jay Crowder. Uh, the fourth option would be to trade Isaiah Thomas, and the fifth option, which I think is pretty uh the, the one that i kind of lean towards would be um trading avery bradley which i think is sort of the one that might make the most sense um you know go- going forward for uh, a variety of reasons hey how urgent and this was kind of the debate that was beginning but we didn't really get mm-hmm. anywhere in fleshing it out with bobby but how urgent mm-hmm. do you think it is for them to make some decisions around trading some of these players because my opinion is if they get Hayward because that's really where the crunch really comes into play otherwise mm-hmm. they can sort of stand pat and wait for the right deal exactly the right time. but my opinion mm-hmm. is is they're not going to extend Isaiah now they're going to wait and see how the medical thing plays out next season and how the roster mm-hmm. shapes out in my opinion with that in mm-hmm. mind any big trades they really have till the next trade deadline before they might really want to have to decide how they're going to move in the next off season because at that point they really are at the last minute for now they have smart they have bradley we have thomas all these guys that need to get their extensions then we get into real dangerous waters but i don't think gotcha. that i don't think that they necessarily have to make any moves this summer in terms of trades i'm not saying they won't but i don't think mm-hmm. danny should feel any pressure to do so and i don't think he generally succumbs to that he kind of waits for the right moment right so what is what is your thoughts there i understand we may have yeah. to let go of rosier and the cap has to fall into place and so it might force some somebody like bradley out and it takes one let you know it takes one thing they have to do next off season off the table and sort of serves two purposes but they shouldn't be they shouldn't be giving anything away for free 
just because they feel like they have to make a deal because of the roster crunch. We've heard of that before, and yet season after season they find a way to make it work. Right. Um, what I would say is the difference here is because is if you get, um, you know, it would be it would be I would think the logic would almost apply the other way around though because you know if you do wait until the last second when these teams sort of have you over the barrel is when you lose the leverage. Um, you know, I, I might I might even think that you know teams might be able to you know leverage it a little bit if you do get Gordon Hayward and they understand that you need to unload Avery Bradley or something, you know, some of these teams might even be able to kind of hold you hostage a little bit and make you overpay to unload the cap space. You know, that's how the Celtics really got Isaiah Thomas in the first place was a similar deal with the Cleveland Cavaliers when LeBron was coming to Cleveland. Um, they used the, um, the Paul Pierce trade exception to um, take on Marcus Thornton and Tyler Zeller in, um, you know, into you know to clear um, Cleveland's cap space, you know they sent Jarrett Jack to the Nets, um, and they got a pick for their trouble. And you know, we, you, you know the Celtics don't want to have to be in a situation where they have to pay someone a draft pick to trade one of their good young players. So I don't think I, I think you're right. I don't know though, but they no... don't have to clear the cap space. To me, that's the big difference. Well, well, they they might not. You know, that, well, that's what I'm saying. If you wait until you do need to clear the cap space, then you're in that situation. By sort of you don't doing necessarily a... have to sign the guys though. That's kind of what I'm getting. That's like, true. You could just go into free agency. You don't have to retain these guys if you've got somebody better. This is my whole point. Why not evaluate the talent that you have? before you make mm-hmm. a decision on that. And even if you do get bent over the barrel at the trade deadline, is it really mm-hmm. still going to be that bad? And and the other thing is, what are you getting back? Is it still taking up the same amount of cap space? Because you still have that issue. Mm-hmm. You still right. have that concern. So I definitely wouldn't want to see them, you know, throw the first pick in the draft. You know, Markel Fultz just, you know, oh, well, now we have to move him with Bradley and Crowder to get Butler so that we can deal with the cap mm. space issue, which I'm not sure it even solves. Right. But I don't, I'm, I don't think yeah. that's the issue though. Is it Sam? I mean, I, I know what you're yeah. saying. I mean, you're right that in terms of the order, but, but to even get the space for Hayward alone, right on July mm. one, to be able to say I, by July, but is 10th that or just 11th, Rosier really? Rosier and no. the council. No, no, well, no, it's, no, it's, it's more. It's, it's, it's more. Yeah. So what what it would be is if you're trading Rosier, you, you got to do the other stuff too. You got to get rid of Jordan Mickey and uh, yeah, you know, no some problem. of these other guys, and it's the path of least resistance. Now the the what the the thing that sort of changed my mind was a couple of days back. I went through and you know uh, like whenever I do cap stuff, I went through, spent hours and hours and hours doing something. Uh, went to go post it, looked at Ryan Bernadoni's timeline, realized he had done it better than me um, four hours earlier, <laughs> and, you know, my life is a living hell. But um, the point, the thing, the thing I found out was um, what I, what, what he and I, he and I kind of came to the same conclusion independently, though, which was that the Celtics are going to, right now, they are in real tax trouble um, down the line, um, Hayward or no Hayward. Um, if you think, Unless, you know, like, let's say there's like a hypothetical, you know, max free agent, Avery Bradley and Isaiah Thomas. If in 2018 you have uh, two of those guys on the roster, whatever combination you want, Bradley and the max free agent, Isaiah Thomas and the max free agent, um, you know, just Bradley and and Thomas, you are probably going to be paying 
the luxury tax. And you're probably going to be paying the luxury tax going forward. Um, you know, on a team that, you know, is really dependent on Fultz and, you know, Jalen Brown's maturation and, you know, just their young guys improving, which, you know, that's not terrible, but I'm not sure that that's the maximization of that space. Um, so to, you know, so with that in mind, trading guys like Terry Rozier, who are going to be under contract for, um, you know, under these rookie scale contracts for a little bit um, less at, um, and, you know, particularly when they're on lower salary slots, like um, Yabusali and Zizic, because like Jalen Brown and um, Markel Fultz, you know, we hear a lot about those guys being on rookie scale contracts and rookie scale contracts are very cheap, which is true. But when you're one of the t- first few picks in the draft, it's actually pretty expensive. Like Mar- Fultz, Fultz is going to be start. like seven million, right? Is that right. what it's coming down? Exactly. To? And then yeah, Jalen's was- what four and a half, so it, they're not mm-hmm. as cheap. I hear what you're saying. Like those later right. picks, like Rozier and et cetera, they're cheaper. But but let's mm-hmm. also but so I I I see where this gets out of control because if mm-hmm. all these players are really great, there is no super team in the world that's going to be able to have eight players that are potentially, you know, all-stars, right? And you're you're not going to be able to – so some of these guys have to go. It's just a matter of how they go. But here's – so answer me this question. Mm -hmm. Even if we spin Bradley off or we make a combination where it's Bradley and Crowder, we're still taking back the same or close to the same salary anyway – and the player is somebody we covet even more for doing so, aren't we still in that luxury cap problem? Have we really solved anything in in doing that? I guess that's my other thing about getting urgent this summer is I don't – all I see is it's just committing more money longer term, and we still have a glut of first-round picks. So if we have Mm -hmm. some casualties and we need cheap talent, it's not like – it's not like the Cleveland scenario where they mortgaged right. all of their future first, and so now they're just trying to get veterans to come in, you know, who maybe, you know, like a Darren Williams, who's just mm-hmm. starting to crest. And, hey, great for them. It works. But if we're going to do this teeter-totter of youth and and comp- and compete all at the same time, we still have all of these picks that most teams don't have the luxury of having, and I don't think we have to spin it off to create cap space. I think we use that to to round out the roster in the future. But how? You, I just don't think we can keep all these guys anyway. Period. Right. So yeah, no. I mean, I agree with the you know the concept. You like, you don't want to be trading Avery Bradley for like Chris Middleton or like um, JJ Redick or like you know other established guys who. You know, those guys make more money than Avery Bradley. But you know what I mean? I, I, I get what you're saying. You don't want to be taking back the same amount of money. The idea of an Avery Bradley thing, um, like what, what, what Ryan's written about and I was talking about, it, is a deal along the bones where you're actually you're getting back a pick and you're trading him into some sort of cap space or traded player exception where you're getting back a player who makes less than $4 million because that clears the maximum cap space you would need for Gordon Hayward. So... Like my my idea, what I would well, be doing if, if I were uh, Danny Ainge. So would you knowing, do Rozier and Bradley and just get future picks and just keep stockpiling then? Because I, you draft Fultz, neither one of those players has really got a shot at getting a lot of minutes without taking the number one pick and sitting him on the bench for a long time. I think 
I think Gro. I, I think I think I keep Rosier. Um, I mean, the the idea. Of what I would do if I'm Danny Ainge, I'm active on draft night and I'm shopping Avery Bradley. Um, you know, quietly shopping Avery Bradley and seeing if something blows me away. You know, like you said, nothing needs to be big, but you know, uh, weird stuff happens on draft night. Guys get you know, GMs get carried away. Things are there. You know, like. Um, and you know, I honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if we got more Jackie Mack style reports that he was, you know, floating Isaiah Thomas just to see what's out there. Now, I don't think any, I don't think any team would conceivably give the Celtics more than what Isaiah Thomas is worth to the Celtics. And I think that's kind of the problem with Isaiah, like trading Isaiah Thomas is he's just the most valuable to the Celtics. There's not a team that's going to be willing to pay what he's worth to this team and, you know, propping up the offense, um, and, you know, just sort of what he's done um, in the past. So that would be why I would kind of look at Bradley because that, that's, that's the bottom line is you – it's going to be – the draft night is one of the easiest nights to trade but besides like maybe around the deadline. And if you need to clear this cap space for Gordon Hayward, you know, if you, you need to be able to go into the meetings – offering Gordon Hayward max cap space. I know some people are going to say like, you know, oh, well, he can maybe just take a little pay cut. Like players don't take pay cuts to change teams. You need to give him the full max. Um, you need to have that money readily available. And, you know, you need the, 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 the bottom line is the Celtics need to find a way to clear $4 million. And given that, you know, there is a log jam on the horizon with the tax um, and that, you know, we, we have Markel Fultz likely coming in um, at the guard position and, you know, that Isaiah Thomas is probably not – is going to be difficult to find equal trade value for Isaiah Thomas and what he brings. You know, I just feel like it's got to be, you know, depending on how you feel about Smart or Bradley, you got to pick one of them. I think Marcus Smart's restricted free agency is going to be important as far as those tax stuff is concerned where he will probably be cheaper than what Avery Bradley will get on the unrestricted free agent market. So that's why I kind of lean Bradley. Um, I, I understand if other fans would like to, you know, if they if they err on the side of maybe trading Thomas or, you know, trading Smart or, you know, like you said, trading Rozier, cutting the young guys, trying to stash Yabuselli. I, I kind of, I get that too. I feel like you, um, that's much tighter and you probably can't get as much of a return and you risk losing Avery, like you're going to need to pick between Bradley, um, Hayward, and Thomas, you know, in, in a year or two anyway. So losing those guys only to lose Bradley later seems a little silly, you know, without getting anything for him. But uh, you know, those those are the options. Like those are what you what it sees. And to me, Bradley just makes the most sense. Yeah. As as far as a trade, um, a trade guy. And so, so to go off of that, what we're what, mm-hmm. to, to create the optimal trade someone away scenario is that one, you you send them to a team that has cap space. Two, you have mm-hmm. a team that can send back an asset in trade that will hopefully maybe fill your fill your fill a roster spot as a, as a decent player. I know Ryan mm-hmm. was was floating out, you know, Robert Covington as a guy who's right. low money. Uh, Rashawn Holmes is another guy who might fill that role as a as a big, but can do some different right. things, uh, you know. And a, and a pick coming back. Do you think that? And some of the stuff that Ryan was throwing, and you and I have talked about, it's much more. It, I think Bradley's raised his profile in, in this playoff run. 
mm-hmm. it's going to make it harder for for the Celtics to get rid of him. Do you think that that changes the calculus at all? Maybe not so much on Boston's side of it, wanting to keep him, but also in mm. terms of what what you should be expecting back in a return. This isn't a, a straight salary dump. I don't mm-hmm. think the Celtics the Celtics need to avoid that type of terminology, right? That outlook as much as possible, right? Right. Well, and that's kind of why I'm saying do it during the draft because if you yep. get into a position, um, if you do it, um, if you get into a position where Gordon Hayward is committed. And teams realize you need to do the salary dump. You're not going to get equal value. You know, you're just going to be stuck. You know, you might, you might, I doubt it would be anything anywhere near as dramatic as what happened with Cleveland and LeBron. But, you know, you definitely don't want to be paying a a draft pick to get rid of, you know, Avery Bradley or even your young guys. You don't want to have to pay someone to take on Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier is a good player. Like, you know, like there's, um, so I think getting out ahead of it, while it's, you know, it's painful and it might seem, you know, it might seem really silly. Like Avery Bradley's been here forever. He's the longest tenured Celtic. Um, you know, we, we've got a lot of good memories of Avery. Um, he's a really good player, first team all defense. So, it, you know, it just seems silly for a West, uh, an Eastern Conference finalist team to be trading a guy who was their best player in those games to be trading him for a draft pick. I, like, I, I get why that sounds absolutely insane to like you know someone who might be like you know more casual or not as you know familiar with the financials or like why some of this stuff might make a little bit more sense but you know really you're you're getting out ahead of a storm you know what i'm saying if you're not picking avery bradley you need to find another place to cut that out and there's there just simply isn't as much like these other guys there's there's just it's not as strong of a proposition like you're probably not getting as much of a return for Isaiah Thomas. Um, Jay Crowder is cost controlled for three more years. So when you do get into those tax troubles, you, you really want to have him around. And not to mention he plays the most shallow position in the NBA at small forward. Um, even if Jalen Brown does develop, you know, it's always good to have another wing who can play two through four. Um, and, you know, Marcus Smart, he has his restricted free agency. Terry Rozier, same thing um, with an extra year of the rookie scale. All of the rookies, you know, it's. I think that it's most likely that Avery Bradley um, gets traded. I, I guess is the long and short of it. And I understand why a, a fan might, you know, be listening to this and you know, set me on fire in effigy. You know, I. I, don't, <laughs> I, I, I if you have, we've been talking fan, about this don't. a long time, though, Sam. It's not even, <laughs> even though it's become the logical conclusion from the math. It's been the logical conclusion even from just the roster construction. And John and I have talked about it for quite some time. And the unfortunate thing is he wound up having such an impact in the postseason. I have a little bit of hesitation where I was trigger happy four months ago. But I think Mm -hmm. Avery was a big piece of – you know what was what was happening there in the in the playoffs, and so now it's well, making that not yeah. taste as good. At the same time, mm-hmm. I just I don't want to rely on the height thing. But if Isaiah Thomas is our point guard moving forward, or even if he's our off guard, and mm-hmm. as great as Avery has been defensively, offensively, mm-hmm. you know, we saw a few spurts where he was attacking the rim. He had a blown dunk that would have been awesome if he'd finished it. And he really has the mm-hmm. ups. We've seen him block Dwayne Wade at the rim before. So we know that he plays taller than six foot two. 
But when mm-hmm. you see Marcus Smart go in there, he brings in a little bit different kind of tenacious defense. I'm not even mm-hmm. saying that Fultz is going to provide that level of defense. What I am saying is I like six foot four and the fact that the guy's got what, like a six ten reach or yeah. something like that. I mean that's what he may not have in Avery's defensive tenacity, he'll more than make up for in scoring, which the team needs. And he's got the length that if he shows commitment, he'll be that kind of a defender. And, and with all that said, you know, are you going to put Avery Bradley on the bench? You're going to sign him to an extension and put him on the bench behind Fultz once Fultz deserves the starting nod? That's a that's a painful choice for Avery, even though he did it to Ray. It's just not going to fly when he's hitting his prime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, well, something else, too, um, you know, when you just go through in terms of this is something, a drum I've kind of been beating for a little bit, more as just a um, an unabashed um, fan, president of the Marcus Smart fan club, you know, that I, you know, just uh, adore him. Actually, I'm, I've, I'm sorry. I've been a I think tough. John John's the president. I, I I think we voted on that. Uh, uh, yeah. I, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm czar. There was a quorum. Cha- chapter czar. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I've been... Uh, I've, I've been there was a revolution. Sam, that been, is just I've such a millennial thing to do, right there. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, oh, Darren. All right. Well, I I, I feel like the revolution, <laughs> the proletariat, is gonna rise up. Um, we're gonna seize. We're gonna seize the Marcus Smart fan club back from the uh, you know. Bourgeois. John's, you could say you, it. Dinosaurs. Yeah, Dinosaur bourgeois. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, but I, I think, um, but Avery Bradley, one of the very quiet stories about Avery Bradley is, um, the Celtics, I just, I don't play as well when Avery Bradley's on the court. Um, he was pretty handily the worst starter, um, this year in terms of uh, a lot of the on court metrics. Um, I, I, you know, I watched the same playoffs you guys did. I came out of it thinking, wow, Avery Bradley, like really, you know, that was, that was a big, playoff for him and then i went and i looked at the playoff numbers and you know he had those monster rebounding stats during the year um he was one of the worst rebounders on the team which is understandable you know because he's a point guard going through that um his true shooting percentage he was only ahead of smart who's um you know own shooting woes are documented for um the playoffs and you know just a lot of the plus minus just a lot of these advanced metrics you know, I, you've heard like Zach Lowe and some of these other guys sort of allude to this that the analytics community is not sure about Avery Bradley. Um, you know, first team all defense. You look at the eye test, and the eye test is so convincing. And you see, you know, you see the defense. You see these things. You see him backdoor cutting the the Cavaliers um, over and over and over again. But then you look at the point production and just the fact that the Celtics don't outscore opponents as much when Avery Bradley's on the floor at a certain point when we have two and a half years of data on this and they just can't do this no matter who the starter if it's starters bench players you know it's it's a mix it's not just that he plays with the starters it's not just that he you know if he plays with the bench unit anything it's just they just don't do as well and I think a lot of that has to do with wing length with just playing undersized and playing with Marcus Smart and you know some of these other guys but when Smart is on the floor without him, like the team does better when Isaiah Thomas is on the floor without him. Like there's, there's just all sorts of things there that make sense for it's, it's time for the Celtics to sort of part ways with Avery Bradley. And it, it may, this off season would make the most sense in terms of, you know, from a return perspective, from a fit perspective, from, 
a financial perspective, it just makes too much sense. Um, and that's, you know, kind of why I would strongly advocate for it. Now, you know, that said, it's not the worst thing in the world. If they make another decision, I just will, will probably disagree with it and throw a, a temper tantrum on Twitter until I get my account suspended. So, um, <laughs> sorry, sorry if I, I get, I get kicked off. You guys, uh, keep carrying the torch for me. <laughs> well, and in the history of you throwing tantrums, it actually works out pretty well for the Celtics. So yeah, it, right. It, That's it, very it, true. It, <laughs> I'm wrong. To... <laughs> I'm wrong like 70% of the time. So, you know, I, I, this, I'm, this might be the 30% though. This could I, be the thirty uh, percent. Yes, yes yeah. absolutely. <laughs> so let's talk about the the uh, the post that Steve Bullpet uh, as we're kind of rounding the corner here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Bullpet talks to Danny Ainge, and Bullpet's very close to Ainge. And you know, sometimes it says NBA sources. Sometimes sometimes it actually says Danny Ainge's name. So you know, we know that that Steve and Danny talk and. Danny gets the words out that he needs to get out to the to the fans um, through through Steve. We know this. Uh, so in in the in the blog post yesterday, and I personally believe this is my own belief is that it's guys like you and Ryan that caused this this response from Danny. Because we know that Zarin and, and those guys listen to what you guys say. They follow the Reddit board and they and they comment. Uh, sometimes Zarin goes right to Twitter directly. And so the question goes is, you know, can we – and everyone's looking at what's going to happen with Isaiah and are we going to re-sign Isaiah and, and as you said, I think that that's, that's an issue for a future time. Isaiah mentioned that in the, in the closing press conferences. But the comment that, that Danny Ainge says is that we can afford to keep everybody. You know, the mm-hmm. idea is we can keep Isaiah, we can keep Bradley, and we're not worried about that moving forward. And the presumption, or I guess the, what I, what I am presuming, I should say from that, is that they're willing to pay extra tax to keep Avery Bradley and Isaiah Thomas on this team, in addition to Gordon Hayward, because I think that just goes without saying that that's the target. And you mm-hmm. you said to me on Twitter, well, you know, they're going to pass the trading <laughs> basket and all that. I mean, explain <laughs> why that's an issue. I mean, because they yeah. could keep people. They could send away Crowder, you know, somebody who's, who's cap cost-controlled but gets them that $4 million. Or they could send away Smart, who they'll have to re-sign next summer. Um, mm-hmm. But but Bradley's going to expect somewhere between 18 and $20 million. Smart, uh, you know, IT is going to get somewhere between twenty-eight and thirty-one million dollars. You know, mm-hmm. there's going to be a big increase for both guy next, both guys next summer. Why is mm. it that that, that that tax issue, the, the the luxury tax issue, is really the not only is this four million dollars to get Hayward, but the long-term concerns for the Bradley are are perhaps a, a bigger a bigger issue moving forward. Right. So, you know, I just want to start by saying, um, you know, shout out to Trader Danny Doublespeak. I love <laughs> when he gives these, you know, because he does it all, you know, you know, Danny is, uh, you know, a Mormon, very honest guy. He's, he's never, he's not like really going to lie, but he will, he will tell truths that are, you know, it's technically true. Yes, they can't afford Marcus Smart. And Avery Bradley this year. They absolutely can. It's very easy um, if you don't sign Gordon Hayward. Um, it's also very easy if, you know, for them to pay for it this year. You know, they're not going to be near any taxes. It's in 2018. 
um, when the taxes. So it's very easy for it to be this year for them to, you know, not run any, um, into any trouble. They can obviously keep those guys. Um, but it's just down the line. So, you know, something, uh, you know, I, I, I talked about this on the, on the Celtics run round table also on CLNS media here the other day. That's a, that's a native network plug for you. Um, there you go. The, um, those guys, um, you know, and we were talking about, um, you know, going forward, you know, what, what the tax is going to be like and something I, 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 cause, cause I thought this way before I really looked at the CBA and the tax, I always thought of the tax as like, you know, four or $5 million extra here, four or $5 million, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's, it, it's just like a little bit more money that like, a, you know, sometimes like you see the cash get thrown around in trades. The, the luxury tax is very, very, very punitive. It's like, um, you know, it's the, the first tier of luxury tax is you pay a dollar fifty in luxury tax for every dollar of salary. So, you know, like, let's say, you know, I, basically my projections have if they sign Gordon Hayward um, and, you know, this is without even this is with trading Avery Bradley um, and they re-sign Marcus Smart to like an $18 million deal or somewhere in there, which I think is a little conservative in a couple of years. Every dollar over $10 million they pay to Isaiah Thomas is going to be in the tax. So if you pay $20 million in tax to Isaiah Thomas, it's like tiered in like $5 million buckets. It ends up being like $50 million in tax. That's like paying, yeah, I mean, that's like paying uh, Kawhi Leonard twice. That's like paying two Kawhi Leonards on your team just in tax. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's, it's just really untenable. Which is part of the, you know, that's that's another reason I think, you know, we have that that hot take circulating that Cleveland is going to be, you know, you, you can't get through LeBron in the East, you can't get through LeBron in the East, you got to kick the can down the road, let the young guys develop. The, the Cleveland is going to hit the repeater tax, which you know hikes that even further. They're they are going to have to pay a ton of money. Like with this cap spike and all the spending that happened with all these teams, we're going to see a lot of teams running into tax issues. It's not just the Celtics. Um, you know, I was listening to like the Dunked On pad- podcast and they were t- talking about the Bucks' tax problems. And I was like, what? The Milwaukee Bucks have tax issues? And I looked at it and sure enough, yeah, they're going to have, they're also going to have some tax issues. Like this is, this is not a, <laughs> I bet the Portland, Port- thing. tell me the Portland Trailblazers have cap issues. Oh my God. They're, they're, they're in so much trouble. Like those crab, like I, I feel like the Nets have to be like Crab and kind of happy. Yeah, yeah they, they 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 really dodged a bullet with those offer sheets that those got matched. The the, the Tyler Johnson and that that Crab offer sheet because this is you know this is going to be a league wide thing that everything's flattening out. The money isn't coming in as much as it thought. I mean, like this postseason, you know, the the playoffs are shorter. You know, we it's been a it's been a crappy playoffs. There's not you know there's not as many games, not as much money, like. It's it's just that the cap is a little bit depressed, so you don't have these tax issues are just you know it, it's just really wild to expect just just because we like Avery Bradley and he's pretty good it's it's like wild to expect Danny or um you know Wick and you know the the other owners to pay you know fifty million dollars like more than LeBron James you know, we'll make, you know what I'm saying? In, in just the most expensive player in the league doesn't make anywhere close to $50 million. Like Kobe Bryant at his most expensive made like $30 million. It's, it's just, it's not realistic to expect that for Avery Bradley, uh, a team to pay $50 million in luxury tax. So that's why the Celtics need to make these changes and why, 
you know, even if they don't add anyone, they w- are still probably going to run into these luxury tax issues um, down the line. So, you know, when you see that coming, it really makes a lot of sense to make this sort of a, you know, make a priority to do something about it this off season so you're not up against it next season. You want to get as much of this sort of squared away. And, you know, it just makes more sense in the long run to sort of have these guys staggered. You know, if you sign Gordon Hayward to a three plus one, um, you know, Al Horford's got three years left. Maybe he opts out. And, you know, those guys are starting to come off the books around the same time. Like Fultz and Jalen are going to start hitting, um, you know, their free agencies. And then, you know, it, it works out pretty naturally at that point. You know, you might have to pay the tax one or two of the, or one of the years, maybe two of the years, but just – I think getting out ahead of it is going to be important. And that's kind of why the Avery Bradley thing, um, he's sort of the definite odd man out. You just can't, that tax is just, it's too, it's too ridiculous. Sorry. This is sobering. It's a little too heavy, but no, it is, (laughs) it is heavy. I I need a rose to to get me over this. Um, For those who don't know, you get good Celtic stuff from Sam. You get some good politics stuff from Sam. But really the heart of his Twitter feed is is really some bachelorette and bachelor stuff. And, it's, uh, uh, it's very strong, very important part of my brand. Um, it is. It is. You know, it's really, so it's good stuff. For those of us who have no idea what the bachelorette or bachelor stuff, um, right. it's it's entertaining nonetheless. But, no, I, I, I'm uh, – I'm glad you kind of break this down for us because it, it, you know, as we've kind of looked at this, and I think there's a lot of tough issues out there. As we're, as it's a math problem. Predominantly, it's a math problem. The math is going to work itself out, and there there are some questions and some variables. Is you know how much tax is Wick and company willing to pay uh, to to go down that road? But as you said, it, it becomes at some point it's insane to pay it. It's not even a question of. As you said, four or five million here, as it used to be under the old tax. The new tax is is a different deal um, and something that not to be trifled with, especially if you're not in, in legitimate championship contention. Which I think a lot of people have a question of whether or not adding Gordon Hayward alone is enough to uh, to really put you into that category. And I I think we're gonna really follow that question. Mm-hmm. Order. Somebody is going to have a Vin Baker contract again in the next three to yep. four years. Definitely. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. It's funny because it felt like there was finally some room and the league had sorted out those kinds of scenarios and they gave everybody this one time basically dump a anchor of a salary sort of exception, which the Celtics never wound up using. And I remember when that was coming out, I was like, oh, thank goodness, we'll have something that we could use. But then we didn't wind up needing it. And most of those players became valuable trade assets, which will certainly happen again. And and that may be that may be another way to look at it with this roster. Not every one of these draft picks is going to work out. And some of these players may not work out. And it may be that uh, we wind up having tradable picks and tradable sort of expiring contracts down the line. And and they'll figure it out. It is a math problem. Mm-hmm. It is a difficult math problem. If we wind up losing a guy for less than value, but that's because the team has so many assets on it, it can't possibly manage it. I don't think that's a bad thing. And so – you know that this is the uh this is the downside to being a team that that really is the benefit of many riches so mm-hmm. 
hopefully that will play out with postseason performance next year without a dip. We'll certainly find out. Um, that's going to do it for this week. So, Sam, I just wanted to say thanks for coming on. And mm-hmm. uh, we're going to have you on a lot more again over the, the summer, I'm certain. You and Bobby and yep. as well mm-hmm. as others. That's that's kind of – John and I are horrible about making this a home for people during the season because there's so much for us to talk about. But in the off season, mm-hmm. that's when we kind of welcome everybody back to the show. So thanks for coming mm-hmm. on and bringing, uh, bringing a little bit of education around the cap to us. I, I, hey, I appreciate you guys uh, having me on. Hopefully, um, you know, I, I don't hit, uh, hurt your subscriber numbers too much when they hear that, like, a guy <laughs> who likes The Bachelor was, like, coming on. I hope I don't cost you too many long-time listeners. You know, if you guys need to dump me, like, you know, like the the O'Reilly Fox thing because of my, you know, my strong Bachelor <laughs> takes, I understand. You know, it's I, I – uh, if, you, if you need to do – it's a tough business. I understand the cutthroat competition, but, uh, you know, if you – I'd also love coming back. I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, I'm going to try and write something for um, Celtics Hub later this week. And, uh, you know, once Sullivan gets paroled out of uh, Walpole Correctional Facility, we're going to have another uh, Scorching Shamrocks here coming down the pipe. God help me. Man, God help us. People have to go back and listen to the Evan Turner show. The music, uh, just really amazing, an amazing song. So go to the CLNS uh, Media Network app, search for it on iTunes uh, or your app marketplace for Android, and you'll be able to download the Scorching Shamrocks. Also, make sure you're hanging out at the Celtics subreddit and Celtics Hub, where you'll find more of Sam's work, as well as him yeah. being on this show just, frequently throughout the off season. Yeah, let me... I just want to hop in and make make because I want to give the um I I stopped doing uh, moderating the subreddit I still lurk there from time to time but uh, shout out to those moderators they do a great job um, check it out it's a great community really really helped me you know coming up sort of learn and understand some things guys write great things there um, shout out to the moderation team those guys do a great job I really uh, I feel comfortable with the sub in their hands they really grown the subreddit a lot. Um, but yeah, I'm on, uh, check me out on Celtics Hub. We're going to have something, um, you know, coming out later this week. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, feel free to, uh, follow me on Twitter. Um, <laughs> that's my, that's my self plugs. That's what I got. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome, Sam. Thank you very much. That's going to do it for this week's show. The broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS radio mobile app as well as clnsradio.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. You can support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to give us a rating and a review. Your feedback is important to us. And a reminder, today's show brought to you by ZipRecruiter.com. They have a great deal for all of you listeners, but most importantly, you'd be supporting our show and the entire CLNS Media Network. Thanks to the loyal audience for making it all worthwhile. And for staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media Network, Nick Gelso, and my co-host John Duke, I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live.